0: Today on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, we're learning to trust God with courage over our fears.
1: So, when you become spiritually mature, you understand that no matter how you're feeling today, God doesn't change because you're feeling lousy. They're driven by what they believe, not by how they feel. Hello.
0: Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Well, how's your courage? Are you focused on the strength of men or on God? That's our topic today as Mark continues his message entitled Courage Forward in the Face of Fear. We're exploring what it means to take bold steps forward even when the odds seem stacked against us. Last week we heard the first two points about the dangers of lacking courage due to the fear of losing control. And now, picking up with the third point in 1 Samuel chapter 13, here is Mark Job.
1: All right, so the third point, not only does fear of losing control lead us to assume roles that aren't ours, the third thing that lack of courage does, a heart that's lacking in courage will tend to rationalize disobedience and spiritualize compromise. Uh, Notice what happens when Saul is finally rebuked. By Samuel. Samuel says in verse 11, What have you done, Saul? Asked Samuel. And Saul replies, When I saw... Listen. When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling, then I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me in Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord. And so I felt... Compelled to offer a burnt offering, Saul replied. I want you to notice that he excused his behavior and his disobedience by saying, I saw, I thought, I felt. Can I tell you something about the word of God? You see, the word of God overrides what you see, you think, and feel. The word of God takes priority over what you see, and it takes priority over what you think or rationalize, and it takes priority over what you feel. You see, Saul began to excuse his disobedience. And I think that courage causes us to take responsibility for our shortfalls and our wrongdoing. You see, I believe courage causes us to say, I was wrong and I admit it. But when we lack courage, we excuse and we spiritualize our disobedience. Saul was trying to excuse his disobedience. What did you do? Well, the people were scattering. I saw them scattering. And I thought, hey, I should offer this to God Almighty. And I felt like I needed to do this inside. Can I just give you a flash moment, open up your eyes, uh, light bulb turn on experience here? The Bible tells us in Jeremiah that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? In other words, you cannot trust your heart. I know Disney tells you trust your heart, it's always right. If you feel it in your heart, it should be right. Let me tell you, your heart is your heart cannot be trusted. Your heart is not not infallible. It's the word of God that can be trusted. Your heart gets deceived. Uh, Some of you feel like God is not hearing your prayers, that the heavens are brass, that there are sealed shut with iron curtains, yet it's true that God does hear your prayers. Some of you feel like you're not forgiven, yet the reality is if you repented and confessed Jesus Christ and accepted Him, you are forgiven. Some of you feel like you can never turn around and that there is no hope to turn your life around, but yet in reality there is hope for every individual. Some of you feel like there's things in your past that cannot be erased from your past, that the truth is that the blood of Jesus has power to forgive all things. That's the truth regardless of how you feel about it. You see, your heart it cannot be trusted, and Saul tried to trust his feelings and his thinking and what he saw with his eyes more than the Word of God. The Apostle Paul tells us, said, we walk by faith, not by sight. You see, sometimes you see something in the physical realm and you start to trust that, but but you see your eyes need to be set in the faith realm, not in the physical realm. The faith realm dictates the spiritual realm. Uh, Some of you run your life by feelings and At the the engine of your life is the engine of feelings and your faith is the caboose of life. So when you're feeling good, you feel like God is in control, everything's good and wow, I'm doing well spiritually. Then when your feelings go down, you say, where is God? I feel like I'm in a desert spiritually. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And then when you're feeling good, you're up. When you're feeling, you know, that's called immaturity spiritual mature people, they're driven by what they believe, not by how they feel. Hello. So when you become spiritually mature, you understand that no matter how you're feeling today, God doesn't change because you're feeling lousy. God hasn't abandoned you because you're having a dark gloomy day. God is still on the throne regardless of how sad your heart is because the sun isn't out today. You see, spiritual maturity is based on the Word of God, not on the feelings. James talks about believers that are tossed to and fro like the waves of the sea. And I run into a lot of people that are that way. They kind of roll on their feelings and their life is very unstable and very immature because they're rolling on their feelings and not in the Word. The Word of God overrides. Your feelings. You'll learn that in marriage as well. And I thank God that 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 He doesn't operate that way. I think in marriage is the same thing. Listen, I don't care right now how you feel about your marriage. When you said I do and you promised to love, love is a commitment, not a feeling. Say, so well, today I just don't feel I like, I love my spouse. Whoever said you had to feel like you loved your spouse? The Word of God doesn't say feel love towards your spouse. The Word of God says love your spouse. What are you saying, Pastor, that I shouldn't feel love? No, I didn't say that. I'm saying that feelings are a byproduct of obedience. They're not what drives us. They're a byproduct of our obedience to God. And if you wake up one morning and look over at your spouse and don't feel anything, it's not time to go down to the lawyer to get a divorce because you don't feel goosebumps going up and down your spine. It's a time to continue to love your spouse regardless of how you feel because your marriage and your commitment needs to be bigger than your feelings at the moment. Hello. Because that would be very immature. And we apply it to other areas of life, but not to the relational areas of life. I'm not sure what your boss would say if you didn't show up to work and they say, hey, how, how come you're not here? Are you feeling sick? No, I just, didn't, I, you know, I just didn't feel like going to work today. You know, boss, I, I want to love the job. And I want to go with enthusiasm and energy. And today I woke up kind of gloomy. I just didn't feel it. So you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I just decided not to go to work today. I'm gonna, You tell me how long you're going to last at that job. <laughs> but sometimes we bring it into our Christianity, our relationship with God. We say, well, you know, I don't want to go to church because I'm not feeling anything right now. I don't want to go to church and be a hypocrite. Listen, if you come to church and you say, I'm here, I don't, I don't even feel like worshiping God, but I'm here and I'm not feeling real spiritual today, and I feel kind of like I'm in a desert, but I'm here. Let me tell you, you're not a hypocrite when you come to worship God and come to the house of God regardless of how you're feeling or not. That's a sign of maturity to do what's right regardless of how you feel. It's a sign of maturity. So Saul, he thought he... He saw, he felt, he thought, yet God was saying to him that the word of God, that God's word needs to be bigger than what he feels, thinks, or sees. The fourth thing that I want you to understand about living a life of courage is this. I want you to understand that, um, and by the way, in verse three, in in thinking, seeing, and feeling, I I, I just want to make a point to remind you that. Oftentimes our heart is really good at rationalizing our disobedience and sometimes we even give our disobedience a spiritual twist. I've had some interesting conversations with people over the years. I've sat down with men that are having an affair on their wife and sat down for an hour and heard them explain why they think it's the will of God. Well, Pastor, you see, you don't understand. God wants me to be happy, and I wasn't happy in my marriage. I wasn't looking for this affair, but God brought this woman into my life, and, and we just connected at such a deep level, and, and uh, I was unhappy anyways, but God brought her into my life, and she's been a gift, and this is just, just a gift of God, and, and I know God wants me to pursue. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, buddy. Don't be spiritualizing your disobedience. Uh, Don't be throwing a spiritual twist on your disobedience. First of all, rewind a little bit. Nowhere in the Bible do I see that God's main objective in life is to make you happy. No. The byproduct of serving God and living for God and pursuing the glory of God is our joy and happiness, but it's a byproduct, not the end means in our life. I just want you to understand that oftentimes when we're living in disobedience and we're, we don't have the courage to face our disobedience, it's easy for us to rationalize and spiritualize our disobedience. Uh, a, a while back i had I sat down and had a very painful conversation with a, a friend of mine that i respected and and um, I knew that he struggled with homosexuality and he knew that it was not god 's will for his life but yet finally i I sat down and talked to him because I heard he had totally just kind of turned his back and he had gone to to live with of all things a a, a guy a, a fellow that had been a a son of a pastor, and he moved in with him, and he was his his gay lover. I sat down with this guy and said, what happened? What's going on here? And for two hours, he explained to me how he believed that God had wired him this way, and we can't really take scripture literally because what the Word of God seems like it says, maybe it doesn't really say. And if God really wants him to be happy, and he wasn't that happy in the beginning, well, it has to be the will of God and how God brought this guy into his life and connected him in his life, and how now he's going to serve God this way. And although the Bible seems to talk about that, it's really not really what the Bible means and for two hours he tried to convince me and tell me why justify his lifestyle and make it a spiritual thing. I would rather someone say I'm sinned and I'm turning my back on God and be honest than try to step into their sin and spiritualize it And make it sound like it's okay, and they're right with God, and he's right with God, and I'm right with God, and this is God's will for my life. But when we don't have courage, we spiritualize our disobedience, and we try to make it sound like it's God's will. That's what Saul did.
0: You're listening to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Our message today is called Courage Forward in the Face of Fear. We're in the book of 1 Samuel and we'll continue in a moment. But if you would like to hear this message again, or if you'd like to send a link to a friend who might need to hear this message series, You can do that online at boldstepsweekend.org. Look for the series, Rise, Live Your Best Life Yet. And then while you're online, you can also send your friends and family a link to our social media pages. We have a growing community of believers gathered on those platforms. And you can like and follow our pages on Facebook, Instagram, even YouTube by simply searching for Bold Steps Radio. All right, right now, let's jump back into the second part of today's message. Again, here is Mark Job.
1: Do you remember the second time that Saul had a big time of disobedience when he fought against the Amalekites and God had said to Saul via the prophet, he said, I want you to eliminate everything of the town, including all the sheep and cattle. Don't save any gold because I'm wiping it out entirely. And Saul went and had a mighty victory and he came to Samuel and he said, I've done what God wanted us to do. And while Samuel is talking to him, he, he hears ma ma nah, ma. Nah. And Samuel says, "Hey, what's that sheep I hear in the background?" Oh, the sheep. <laughs> well, you see, I saved some. You know why I saved them, Samuel? I saved them to offer them as a sacrifice to God. Aren't I spiritual? No, 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 you just disobeyed God and put a spiritual twist on him. You see, Saul should have been fallen on his face and saying, Forgive me, instead he spiritualized his disobedience. Be very careful about not admitting you're wrong. Be very careful about when you disobey rationalizing your sin and spiritualizing it and making it sound like it's the will of God because the the, the most twisted, distorted, hardest people of heart are spiritual people that fall away from God and try to act spiritual while they're still sinning and spiritualize their disobedience. That's the highest degree of distortion. That's the highest degree of hardness of heart is when people are walking in disobedience but have spiritualized their disobedience. And I believe it basically boils down to having a cowardly spirit about facing our sin. You need to get in the habit when you have sinned and disobeyed and fallen short of stop rationalizing it, and you need to get in the habit of saying, I sinned, I was wrong. You see, that's the difference between a David and a Saul. David sinned big time against God, but finally when Nathan the prophet exposed his sin, David said, I've sinned against God and against man, forgive me. And he wrote Psalms 51. But Saul, when he was confronted about his sin, he always had an answer, he always had an excuse, he always had a spin on it. He never said, you're right, I've sinned, I was wrong. He always tried to justify his sin. Lack of courage. And lastly, number four, write this down. Decisions made out of fear of man rather than trust in God will ultimately destroy our destiny. Proverbs 4, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Samuel said to Saul, Saul, you have acted foolishly. You have not kept the Lord your God's command. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is a sad verse. If you had he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. What? He's telling Saul, Saul, if you would have obeyed, you would have had a kingdom that would have been established and the lineage of Jesus would have gone back to you because the kingdom that exists forever is the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. That's how he establishes his kingdom. And that's why... God made a covenant with David, you will have a kingdom that lasts forever. That prophecy is fulfilled via Jesus Christ, who's the king of kings and rule of rulers, and, and Jesus was his descendant of David. What Samuel was saying, if you had obeyed God, your lineage, your descendant would be Jesus Christ, and we would have established a kingdom through your lineage that would have existed forever, but now... Your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You know what Saul's problem was? Saul's problem was that he feared man more than he feared God. Uh, Write this verse down, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man will be a snare. Write this verse down. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Did you catch that? The fear of man will be a snare. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, Saul was always asking himself, what do people think? What do people think? Saul was afraid of what people thought. And he was insecure, so he grabbed on to his position as a king, and he became a very insecure king. And insecure people, what they do is they push everybody around them down because they're afraid that other people are going to take away what they have. Listen, if you're at work and you have an insecure boss, it's a terrible thing to work with. Because if you're good, he's going to put you down. Because insecure, controlling people that are focused on others and gaining and not trusting God, they do not have joy in their life. Some of you need to pry open your hands and you need to say, God, I let it go.
0: This is Bold Steps Weekend. You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job. To learn more about Dr. Job or this ministry, visit us online at boldstepsweekend.org. And be sure to look for today's message titled, Courage Forward in the Face of Fear. Now, Mark, before we wrap up today's important program, you've got something else of importance to share with listeners. Yeah, Wayne,
2: it's good to have in the studio again with us uh, Dr. Bill Thrasher. He's been teaching here on the Moody Bible Institute for years.
0: Long-time friend. Spiritual mm-hmm.
2: formation. or uh, Topics of prayer. So beloved here on campus, and um, I mentioned this before, but uh, my wife's favorite professor, in fact, she (laughs) had the privilege actually of writing uh, her and I a foreword in this book, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life, which was an honor. But you know, most people have a routine of how to pray, their quiet time if they've been believers for a while, Uh, but uh, Bill, you've highlighted a powerful but painful truth that not all prayer times are created equal.
3: Well, you know, uh, in my own pilgrimage, uh, and that story is about my pilgrimage, I hope others can benefit from. I I was saved at a Billy Graham crusade when I was 13 years of age. He came Mm -hmm. to the local football stadium in Montgomery, Alabama. He was there by, I learned later, uh, by presidential order saying, look, your gospel is the only thing that can do anything for that racial crisis there. And he preached, and praise God he did. Uh, I was a part of the denominational church, but I didn't understand the gospel. I did Mm -hmm. that night. Um, Well, I, I read the Bible each day after that. Didn't significantly grow. Joined the Air Force Reserve right out of high school. Just six months after duty, and then went to Auburn University, pledged, not really knowing there was, I pledged my brother's social fraternity, and this was a state university, <laughs> but in God's great providence, I wandered into the room of a fraternity brother one day very unusual one, didn't even ask a question. And he shared with me that little booklet that crew used at that particular time. Have you made the wonderful discovery of the spirit field life? Mm -hmm. I hung on every word. (laughs) The great thing is I'll end up rooming with him for a year. That dear brother is still in the Lord's work uh, to this day. But we had a prayer meeting in our room every night. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went on to seminary. God called me into the ministry, even though I majored in business and went to seminary. I had a prayer meeting in my seminary room every night. Uh, God, mercifully opened the door to come to Moody um, and I developed that discipline of prayer but there was one day you know the longer you're around the christian life people say pray for this pray for this pray for this." i literally tried to pray for it all and um and one day my thought was to god i said god i think the greatest gift you can give me is just take this burden off my back because what i realized is this i'm praying but i'm not sure i'm really expecting anything to happen mm-hmm. and if you're praying you're not expecting anything to happen sooner or later you ask yourself the question why i pray yeah mm-hmm. um you know here's what if you'd asked me to summarize what people teach about prayer I said well two things come out strong and I bought into both of them one is prayer is very 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 important secondly you need to discipline yourself to do it I'd done both and my prayer life had died mm-hmm. and so I knew I needed to learn something else our founder D.L. Moody the, unquestionably the greatest preacher of his day said I'd rather teach one person to pray than ten people to preach yeah. you know come to God Luke 11 1 teach me to pray. And Jesus spoke when his disciples said that. And God will speak to our listeners today just in his great mercy he did to me. Hmm. Wonderful. Wow. Powerful. I love
2: that. I've heard that quote of D.L. Moody before. So, Hmm. hey, listener, maybe you've been convicted recently about just wanting to go deeper in your prayer life. We would love to put this book in your hand, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life by Dr. Bill
0: Thrasher. And we will send you a copy when you give a gift of any amount to support Bold Steps Weekend. Just give us a call. Our phone number is 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. Or go online to give a gift of support and request the book when you visit boldstepsweekend.org. If it's easier for you to send your gift and request the book in the mail, you can write to us at Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois 60610. Once again, that's 820 North LaSalle, Chicago, Illinois 60610. One final reminder, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to our podcast channel and get each of these daily messages downloaded automatically to your phone or mobile device. Whether you prefer Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast app, you'll find us by searching for Bold Steps Weekend with Dr. Mark Job. Like our page and leave us a comment to let us know you're listening, and then share some of your favorite messages with friends and family. I also want to invite you to receive the free devotional Mark sends out to our listeners every week. It's called the Bold Stepper Weekly. Start your Mondays off right with a focus on God's will and wisdom by receiving these encouraging messages straight from the desk of Mark Job. To sign up and learn more, just go online to BoldStepsWeekend.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd wrapping up our time for today. Be sure to tune in next week when Mark continues his series on how to live your best life yet with a special focus on confidence. That's next time on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.